Good morning and welcome to Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental with individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at Delta Dental Covers Me. Com. And just pulling off the exit, I'm not sure which one, uh, we welcome back to the program the executive director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College, Neil Levesque. Neil, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Ken. It's great to have you with us, making your triumphant return to the show. And, and Neil, I don't know about you, but uh, to me, uh, this has got to be one of the most uh, bizarre primary seasons uh, we, we've seen. Do you, do you agree with that? Uh, well, I guess the, the better question could be, how could we make it even more bizarre? And I'm not <laughs> sure that we could actually do that. I mean, it's just so strange and every twist and turn. Sometimes I just think, am I really saying this? You know, because there's so many different strange things, starting with the fact that we have sort of an incumbent uh, in Donald Trump, who has a solid lead, uh, who's being challenged by everybody, including his former vice president. Right. I mean, that's just that's just something that's uh, right out of uh, uh, you know a Harry Potter book. Right. I mean, it's just you know <laughs> as strange as it gets. I mean, we've seen things like you know uh, President Taft was challenged uh, when when Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, his basically mentor came back and said, I'm going to run as a bull moose because you're not doing what I want you to do. I mean, those those were the sort of awkward moments of politics, but this is really uh, a strange situation. And uh, with Trump's legal troubles mounting, I mean, it makes things like Watergate look like, you know, a petty theft, you know, compared to uh, some of the legal challenges that the former president is 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 facing and you can like him or not, but the, the court is the court and, and, and it's not just one case, it's multiple cases and multiple indictments. So all of that combined makes this primary season pretty strange. And yet wherever he shows up, like yesterday uh, at the state house and uh, later on in Derry, uh, people can't wait to get to see him. They, they pack the place. They stand outside and wait hours just to get a glimpse. Uh, that, that magnetism apparently is still there. Oh, absolutely. And that's what shows up in our polling where, you know, Donald Trump has had a solid lead and it, and it hasn't changed. And so when someone like a Nikki Haley starts climbing in the polls, uh, it's not because Trump voters are abandoning him. They are, in fact, still solid. It's the rest of the crowd that one one or more people are dropping, and Nikki Haley's picking up that sort of scattered voter. So Trump is solid. Uh, he has a, a wide, you know, following. You're right. When he shows up for something, it's there's a big group of people that are following him around. Um, and I think the challenge for the Republicans is, is there going to be someone who comes up as sort of a number two alternative that that can can beat him in Iowa and New Hampshire, particularly New Hampshire? And I think it's certainly possible for, for that to happen. I, but it's certainly challenging because Trump does not lose voters. 
And uh, those challengers are uh, continuing to hang in there. And, you know, I, I guess uh, just from what uh, you said a moment ago, that uh, Nikki Haley, of, uh, of all of them, is probably uh, gathering uh, more momentum than the, than the rest of the pack. That's certainly shown up not only in our polling, but in the polling that other institutions have conducted where she's become an alternative. So you've seen where DeSantis, who had a sort of a, a, a high expectation lead, you know, probably put on a lot by Florida and people's feelings of Florida and the COVID reaction. And he won re-election with a million and a half extra votes. Um, that's a pretty substantial amount of uh, of a lead over his opponent. And DeSantis, but DeSantis' lead has evaporated. And those votes have seemingly gone to uh, Nikki Haley. And so the more she picks up speed... Um, the more of a challenge she is to Trump. It'll be interesting to see what Trump's reaction is. I know DeSantis's political action committee is already there going after Nikki Haley uh, on television with some television ads. So, you know, this is um, all's fair in love and war. Are you surprised, Neil, that uh, DeSantis hasn't uh, created more traction uh, than he has? In fact, he seems to be going in the other direction. Well, a lot of this had to do, and I'll be very frank, that Fox News had this thing that that DeSantis would be sort of the person Republicans would vote for rather than Trump. And and it would sort of guarantee that Biden would be beat if they had a candidate other than Trump. And um, if you watched Fox News last winter, it was it was like a it was like a love fest mm-hmm. for the well, Florida governor. They was, would go down to. Yeah. You know, and, and it was kind of propped up. It was like a sugar high. But, you know, then you come into a state like New Hampshire, and people start asking questions or media is asking questions. And for whatever the reason is, and I want to be fair to him, um, the voters were not as impressed as the television producers were. And so, therefore, um, the votes haven't stuck with him. Uh, can he can maintain that? Possibly. I mean, today he's got a big day. He's out there with with uh, Governor Sununu campaigning. The governor is not endorsing anybody yet, but he's been campaigning with each candidate. And today's the day with DeSantis. And so uh, he's sure to get some earned media off of it and some attention from it. But we'll see. You know, voters are smart. And at the top, you know, usually the cream rises to the top. And uh, DeSantis, I, I think, uh, uh, desperately wants that endorsement from Governor Sununu. Well, he definitely does. And, you know, endorsements are sort of, there's there's questions to whether or not they really make a difference, okay? Right. Yeah. If your really popular neighbor who you respect puts the their somebody's yard sign on their lawn, hey, you may take a look at that candidate and say, well, you know, if this if Ken Kale likes this candidate, maybe I should too. The other thing is, is that endorsements also give you, you know, an earned media bump. So that day you get a lot of attention. I think the exception is somebody like Sununu, who is probably one of the most talented communicators we've seen in a long time, not just here, but I think nationally. And I think that if you have someone like that who can make a case for a candidate, who's going to persuade you to vote for that candidate and why, I think that that could be a huge boost 
to any number of these people that he he potentially would endorse. Uh, and and you know it's no secret that he will not be endorsing Donald Trump. So so it'll be somebody other than Donald Trump. <laughs> that that is not a very well kept secret. That that is that is for sure. Now uh, Neil Vec with us from the uh, New Hampshire Institute of Politics at Saint Anselm College. The next uh, Republican debate set for Miami on uh, November eighth, not too far away. And uh, Vivek Ramaswamy has indicated that he may skip it. And uh, President Trump will not be there. He's going to hold a, a rally of his own somewhere uh, in S- South Florida. So uh, what do you hear about Ramaswamy uh, skipping the debate? Well, that's interesting in the fact that the Republican National Committee has really tried to, to put together this debate schedule. And they thought they had Trump on board. And clearly, I mean, they have someone who, who's who's very connected to Trump, who's sort of leading the whole debate effort and, and they're not playing ball. And now Vivek Ramaswamy may not be playing ball and it'll be, it's a tactical move on his part, but it's going to be, it's definitely an interesting move on Ramaswamy's part. He's debating Ro Khanna at, at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics on November 1st. Uh, He's going, so they're both, Interesting, they're both young uh, people in their parties who uh, potentially, one obviously has presidential ambitions, the other one potentially does in the future. Uh, Ro Khanna is a congressman from California, um, very talented, but they're both young. And so it's sort of the future of the party, and they're going to debate at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics on November 1st, that's going to be something that gets a lot of attention as well. Yeah, no doubt about that. Is, is that uh, open to the public, or how does that stand, Neil? Uh, they'll, it'll be a ticketed event, um, but we're uh, looking forward to having some folks there from uh, the general public. So what does that mean, that Ramaswamy is going to uh, you know, uh, skip the debate? Why, why would he do that? Well, he's definitely trying to do something other than just be a part of the pack that Trump and everybody else pack. Um, I mean, his his comments in the last debate, I think it was the last debate of the debate before that, you know, Donald Trump was one of the greatest presidents we've ever had. I guess the follow-up question is then why are you running against him? You know, he's been this sort of person that it's been interesting to see what the tactics are around this because he's definitely embraced uh, the Donald Trump voter. Uh, so maybe he's also saying, "Well, I'm not, I'm not going to participate just like Donald Trump is either." It, I don't know. I don't know what uh, what his tactics are on doing this, but he does debate well, so it's, he does. It's yep. Question mark. Yeah. Neil Levesque is with us. Uh, Neil, hang in there. Have to take a a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back and uh, and talk more politics on this Tuesday morning. Neil Levesque, Executive Director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College. We will be right back. Kale and Company, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Stay with us. Welcome back. Hale and Company live here on this Tuesday, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Neil Levesque is with us. You might see Neil uh, on the side of the road. I'm not sure where he is, but he's sounding good. Neil Levesque, Executive Director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College. 
And uh, before the break, we were talking about the fact that uh, Vivek Ramaswamy may skip the next uh, Republican debate on uh, November 8th in Miami. Uh, there have been two Republican debates uh, so far. Uh, what are your thoughts on those, Neil, the, t- the two that we've had? Well, I think that they've shown to be sort of these free-for-alls with very little substance. Yeah. Look, if if we were if we had big stakes in Coca-Cola and we had to hire a new CEO, would we go and say we're going to put eight candidates on the stage and say whoever gets the best one-line zinger is the person we're going to make this G, the CEO of Coca-Cola? No. We would we would actually see who's the smartest one and figure out their positions on certain things and where their their strategic direction, but this is the American political process. But I think the main thing with these debates has been the fact that the debates now have included the audience, like a Jerry Springer show where, you know, I say something as a candidate and all of a sudden someone's yelling profane, you know, words in the background at the person who's talking. And this is because the television uh, companies want to have this sort of Jerry Springer World Wrestling Federation effect of our p- political process. And so, you know, when I'm sitting there and somebody's saying an answer to to the moderator's question and there's somebody or a bunch of people in the back screaming profanity at them, it's just, again, I go back to what you said in the very beginning of the show, that you can't make this kind of politics stuff up. And politics used to be something where it was much more serious and much more patriotic that we were at a civic duty about certain things. And we took this stuff seriously. And nowadays people believe that it's some sort of a, a sport where, you know, you're yelling profanity from the back because you don't like what the person said. And, and it's just really a degradation, I think of, of our democracy, and and it, it's when I watch these debates, that's what I come away with. I maybe uh, I'm being too pessimistic, but um, you know that's kind of my mo anyway. But uh, you know, I, I see this stuff as where is this going? Yeah, exactly. And I, why watch these things? Because somebody got a good one liner in. I just don't see where it matters. So what's the solution? I mean, it would, in a perfect world, would you have them in just uh, in a studio somewhere and, and no audience? So there would not be that kind of reaction? Uh, you know, uh, would that be better for all of us? Well, I think that there, there's some de- decorum, but I think it's with the people that are in the audience. And I think the decorum with the American people has faded. I mean, you take a take a look at some of the, the, the wide aspects of politics. I mean, it used to be that if you went on the Senate floor, you had to have a sport coat on at least to show that there was some sort of decorum. Now you you can have a black hoodie with short pants, yeah. you know, because, uh, you know, hey, you woke up and you didn't feel like changing out of what you slept in. I, I can't get, uh, I can't wrap my head around the fact that it just seems like everywhere... In American society, we've sort of dropped down a level because it's some because of comfort or whatever the the reason. And with American politics, it's just become like this yelling match. And remember, television production companies are making 
a lot of money off of this kind of thing. And people are watching because they want to be able to yell at the screen. Just, But, you know, if, if Bill Belichick made a, a decision on the field and all of a sudden we all threw our Coca-Colas at him or our beers or whatever it is, they're surfing at Foxborough, yeah. um, you know, we didn't, would that change the game of football for the better? I don't think it would. No, I don't know what, what the solution is, but uh, when is the, uh, the the list of candidates going to pare down a little bit? Because we know, I mean, uh, that, uh, you know, obviously uh, not, not all of them stand a chance uh, to, to win the Republican nomination. There might be uh, two or three up there that, that could, uh, but when is it going to pare down a little bit? Well, the first thing is, is that New Hampshire will definitely do that for, for sure, but leading up to it, Here's the here's the issue that a lot of candidates face is that success brings more success and failure brings more failure. And so if you're not sort of getting that Nikki Haley rise in the polls and you're declining, your donors tend to dry up. Your supporters tend to break off and you get less attention from the press. So it, it's a it's a slope. And as a result, uh, the you know, if you can't fly into Manchester, New Hampshire, because you just don't have the money for the air tickets, uh, it makes it hard to campaign. And campaigns burn through a lot of money for things that you, you wouldn't think that they would need, but they do. And uh, as a result, they, if your campaign has a high burn rate, uh, you may be faced with saying, okay, we're going to pull our resources out of New Hampshire and we're going to go to Iowa. This is what Tim Scott has announced yesterday that he's going to pull resources out of New Hampshire and go to Iowa. That's the kind of bad news. Although that may be a strategic decision, which is smart, it, it, it might be uh, the kind of bad news that doesn't bring more donors and more fuel to your campaign. And so eventually, you know, things, you just can't, can't pay the bills. So we are certain, I guess, that uh, the Iowa caucuses will be held on uh, January 15th. Has there been a, a date set for the New Hampshire primary yet, or, or when is that coming? So I don't know when he is setting the date, the Secretary of State. I know that the filing period is open till this Friday, and it looks like, by the way, we're going to have some late-week activity. Um, but as far as setting the date, it has not been set yet. The Secretary of State is doing a thing with press tonight at the Institute of Politics to talk about uh, how to cover the primary and what some of the aspects are, but he has not set the date, and I'm pretty sure not even his wife knows what his thinking is. Mm. Well, we will uh, we will be in suspense. Now, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he's, he's made some noise along the uh, campaign tra- trail. He is uh, going to run as an independent. Who does that help or hurt the most? Well, I think it hurts Biden the most, um, and... I think when you have the name Kennedy and you're running as an independent, that can't help you in a general election if you're Joe Biden. And so Joe Biden continues to get more and more bad news. Uh, The White House is continuing to say, well, we're not going to do a campaign in New Hampshire, but there is an organized write-in effort here in New Hampshire. And uh, it looks like a Democratic congressman, Phillips, um, is going to be coming into New Hampshire potentially and signing up in the primary. What does this mean? Well, this means that the write-in effort by Biden, if it's organized as it is, 
it really needs to kick into high gear because they can't lose. If they have an organization that's saying write in Joe Biden and Joe Biden doesn't win the write-in vote, and a congressman that only Ken Kale has heard of uh, wins, which is potential, uh, that is trouble for Biden. This happened in 1952. You know, Truman was the president, and he's like, well, I'm not going to campaign for these, you know, New Hampshire primary, and he poo-pooed it. And uh, this no-name congressman, uh, senator named Estes Kefauver, who to this day most people have never heard of or can pronounce, uh, decided he was going to run. He started campaigning across New Hampshire, and he beat Truman. Truman, at the last minute, decided to put his name on the ballot, and he beat him. And I think that that was the precursor to the fact that Truman decided not to eventually run for president. Um, I think that there, there's a lot of similarities here. And I still think it's a question mark as to whether or not Biden is going to be the, the Democratic nominee for, for his party. Is Biden going to even register for the New Hampshire primary? Uh, well, he has till Friday. And uh, all indications are that he is not. But remember, there is that right in effort. But no. write-ins are hard. You know, you, you get up at, you know, early in the morning, you throw your kids in the car, and you go to the polling spot, and then you know, you're just trying to do your civic duty, and then somebody hands you a pencil. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. You know? Am I going to just do a circle, skip it, or am I really going to write this in? Or am I, you know, hey, the guy's not campaigning here in New Hampshire. There's no fun on the Democratic side. Am I going to show up? I don't know. Well, it, it, it just gets more bizarre as the days go by, for sure. But uh, as you mentioned, the Secretary of State will be at the Institute tonight. He'll be there at 3 o'clock today, oh. meeting with press and talking about the primary. All right. Very good. We could have an answer today, Neil. <laughs> but maybe, maybe but maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Neil, thanks a lot. Great to have you back and uh, hope to chat again real soon. Thank you, Ken. All right. Neil Levesque, Executive Director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College, joining us today. We didn't even get to talk about the lack of a Speaker of the House of uh, Representatives of the United States of America. And it's been that way for a while now, but we'll uh, uh, talk about that after this break. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are proudly presented by our good friends at Northeast Delta Dental. We'll be right back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Tomorrow we're going to have an author uh, on the show who has uh, written a brand new book about the life and times of Irvin Magic Johnson. And I think this book uh, is going to be a bestseller, boys and girls, because uh, there is a lot, a lot of dirt in there. A lot of dirt. <laughs> so people love their dirt, don't they? At any rate, uh, as Neil mentioned, you know, there's still speculation as to whether uh, Joe Biden is going to be the standard bearer for the Democrats in uh, in 2024. You know, very serious questions about that right now. And the fact that 
it, it doesn't look like he is going to register to be on the ballot for the New Hampshire primary, which is coming up. My guess is, it's only a guess, uh, the Secretary of State has that decision to make. But to me, I, I think it's going to be the, the 23rd of January because the Iowa caucuses are the 15th, and it's usually the following Tuesday. So that would make it the 23rd of January. But we may have more on that uh, by the end of today as the Secretary of State will be at uh, the New Hampshire Institute of Politics at uh, 3 o'clock today to meet with the media and uh, talk about uh, how uh, things are going to shake down uh, for the uh, campaign, which will intensify over the next uh, several weeks leading up to uh, the big day, the first-in-the-nation primary, Iowa caucuses uh, on Monday, January 15th. And we, we still probably won't have a Speaker of the House when all this is happening. Let's hope we do. Uh, I mean, the craziness has, has just gone too far, really. People are losing faith in our entire system, and I think there's good reason for it. It's, it's, it's just bizarre the way these people who are allegedly adults are acting in the Congress of the United States of America, both houses, but most glaring now in the House of Representatives. Three weeks now, and I'm going to quote some from an article uh, from the Associated Press, three weeks now since the ouster of Kevin McCarthy, House Republicans will meet privately to try nominating a new House Speaker to accomplish the seemingly impossible task of uniting a broken, bitter GOP majority and returning to the work of governing in Congress. What a thought, huh? Governing in Congress. Having dispatched their speaker, then rejected two popular GOP figures as replacements, the House Republicans on Tuesday, that would be today, will be voting instead on a hodgepodge of lesser-known congressmen for speaker, a powerful position second in line to the presidency. I mean, right now, you know, the, the vice president, Kamala Harris, uh, is uh, first in line, and then it would be the Speaker of the House. But guess what, folks? There's no Speaker of the House private session could take all day before a nominee emerges. It may take all week. It may take months. Dusty Johnson, who's a Republican from South Dakota, a conservative caucus leader, said, we're going to have to figure out how to get our act together. I mean, big boys and big girls have got to quit making excuses, and we've just got to get it done, said Representative uh, Johnson. The candidate list is long and jumbled with no obvious choice for the job. There's a former McDonald's franchise owner, Representative Kevin Hearn of Oklahoma, a conservative leader, who plied his colleagues with hamburgers seeking their support. Majority Whip 
Tom Emmer of Minnesota, the gruff former hockey coach who reached out to Donald Trump for backing. Newcomer Byron Donalds of Florida, a well-liked Trump ally, and a half dozen others. Now remember, one twist of this is, believe it or not, you do not have to be a member of the House of Representatives to be Speaker of the House. I mean, it could be me. It could be you. Right. It won't be, but it could be. There's no law uh, against having an outsider be the Speaker of the House. I know Donald Trump's name has been floated. It would never work. It'll never happen, but his name has been floated as a potential for Speaker of the House of Representatives. It, it could be, uh, you know, anyone, someone who was never held a political office. Uh, it, it's just bizarre, but that's the way it is. Uh, I don't, uh, I've not heard other outside names being floated, but it's a possibility. You need 217 votes right now to uh, win the speakership. No one is expected to emerge from first-round voting, and Republicans are planning to stay behind closed doors until they can agree on a nominee. Some have pushed for a signed pledge to abide by rules to support the majority winner, but holdouts remain. The plan is to hold a House floor vote later this week. According to uh, Representative Donalds, he says, I feel good, but it's up to the members. It's in their hands now. That's what he said uh, late last night. The House has been in turmoil without a speaker since the start of the month after a contingent of hardline Republicans. They're not saying it here, but the far right wing of the Republican Party, led by Matt Gates, ousted Speaker McCarthy for no apparent reason, uh, creating what's now a governing crisis that's preventing the normal, the normal operations of Congress. And at a time when funds have to be approved to help Ukraine, to help Israel, to help our country, uh, it's, it's just, it, it could not have come at a worse time. I mean, it should not have come at all at any time, but it, it just could not have come at a worse time. The federal government is also risking a shutdown in a matter of weeks if Congress fails to pass, uh, pass funding legislation by a November 17th deadline to keep services and offices running. More immediately, President Biden has asked Congress to provide $105 billion, with a B, dollars in aid to help Israel and Ukraine amid their wars and to shore up the U.S. border with Mexico. Finally getting around to that, huh, Joe? Federal aviation and farming programs face expiration without action. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going on here, folks, and Congress can't do a thing about it because there is no speaker. Those running for speaker are mostly conservatives and election deniers, 
who either voted against certifying the 2020 presidential election results when Biden defeated Trump in the run-up to January 6, 2021, the attack on the Capitol, or joined a subsequent lawsuit challenging the results. Matt Gates, the representative from Florida, who really is the biggest culprit in all this, the hard-right leader who engineered McCarthy's ouster, has said several of those in the running, Hearn, Donalds, or Representative Mike Johnson, a constitutional law expert from Louisiana, would make a phenomenal choice for Speaker. Also running are Representatives Jack Bergman of Michigan, Austin Scott of Georgia, who would briefly challenge Jordan with a protest bid, Pete Sessions of Texas, and Gary Palmer of Alabama. Representative Dan Muser from Pennsylvania withdrew from the race. What Gates and other hardliners are resisting is a leader who joined in voting for the budget deal that McCarthy struck with Biden earlier this year, which set federal spending levels that the far-right Republicans don't agree with and now want to undo. They are pursuing steeper cuts to federal programs and services with next month's funding deadline talk a little bit more about that uh, when we uh, continue on this Tuesday. The nation in a state of uh, confusion overall that's not going on right now uh, in Washington. We'll take a break. Kale and Company continues right here on WKXL. NHtalkradio.com. We are powered by Northeast Delta Dental. Stay with us. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And uh, joining us as she prepares for her show uh, this morning, Artful Living, coming up uh, right after the uh, 9 o'clock news. And uh, Jane Cormier is here. And uh, Jane, welcome. Nice to have you with us. Thank you, Ken. It's nice to be on this side of the mic. Uh, yeah, and uh, people are getting uh, you know fired up about uh, what's not happening in Washington. No Speaker of the House now for three weeks. Can mm-hmm. you believe that? When are these people going to start acting like adults and get their <laughs> act together? I mean, we, we're you know they can't do much without a Speaker of the House. Yeah, absolutely, especially in the chain of. If anything bad happened, right? Who's going to step up third in in the uh, authority for this country? I, the whole the whole thing has been a debacle. There's nobody that can look at that and see what's happening and think that anything but, like you said, what are they thinking of? I mean, wow, they're so uh, the worst part of the whole thing. I mean, not only was it you know Gates, 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 whatever he calls himself, and or the congressman um, should never have done what he did because they didn't know. What would fill the void? Right, right. And you, that's dumb. That's a that's a rookie mistake, right? It's like ask, don't ask a question where you're not sure you want the answer, right? What was that about? Why did he do that? So I mean, now all the you know, it's all crumbled, and this secret ballot that they're going to do, um, I think that they're doing this because they've tried all of the other normal yeah. ways to get people on board, and they can't. So they're going to throw this one into the wind and see where it where it goes. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's going to work uh, either. So uh, we we will wait and see, and uh, you know, hopefully they, they will fill the void. Yeah. But there there are so many representatives now that want specific things, like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example, 
uh, wanted assurances from the candidates mm-hmm. uh, that they would pursue impeachment inquiries into Biden and other top cabinet officials. Isn't that, you know what? Everybody wants what they want, right? I, I think that th- really, I'm not on social media. I, I've been off social media for maybe eight months. But I'll tell you what, this all comes down to making a phone call to the RNC, <laughs> if you're a Republican, and telling them that you are really upset and you are not going to support financially that party until they tell their co- their workers to get back on the job and do what they were what they're supposed to do there. Uh, why don't we make that phone call? You know, make that phone call. I'm going to I might make that phone call and uh, just say, you know what? We're really unhappy and we're tired of the the craziness. We're tired of the illogical stuff that's going on. So, why don't you tell your players to get back in the game? Yeah, no, exactly right. And the other thing this is doing, in, in my mind anyway, and uh, uh, to the in the minds of many, that it makes us look very weak mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, not together as, uh, a, a, you know, a, a nation, yep. really, to, to the outside world, to foreign countries. It's making us look very weak. Well, we'll add it to the list. Uh, There's an awful lot of things that are making us look very weak. (laughs) And one could make the little judgment that perhaps uh, all of those things together are why our world seems to be uh, falling apart. Yeah, no, exactly. I I mean, uh, say what you will about our former president, Donald Trump, who was uh, in the state yesterday to register for the primary. Mm -hmm. Say what you will, but uh, during his presidency... Uh, there was no bloodshed in the Middle East. Oh, the, listen, every single thing that has fallen apart, you can directly go back, whether you hate his guts or you love him. The truth is the truth is the truth. And if you look back at every single category of where we're struggling as a country, yeah. you will see that he he did not have these same problems. We did not have what we're facing right now. So even, you know, for the folks that are really, you know, what I say, what is Trump derangement syndrome, right? There's a lot of them. And, oh, sure. and God bless him. You know, I understand why his rhetoric and you wonder why he says what he says. I understand that whole discussion. But the truth of the matter is, is that the normal American family is hurting like we've never hurt. We have wars going on in our world, and and we want to play the game of let's take him off the ballot, let's supersede our Constitution now, try to find a way to weasel around so we can get him off the ballot, because so many people would like to have a leader in that seat again. That's the crazy thing, right? I mean, you're paying more for gas, you're paying more for food, you're paying more for everything. You're you're not feeling real good about the southern border if you're telling the truth at all. Right, exactly. And that's that's one of our huge issues that has really not been addressed Mm -hmm. by this administration at all. They they put Kamala Harris (laughs) in charge as the border czar. As it were. Yeah, I at, love that. Where did we get that czar term? I, I, I have no idea. You know? but yeah, it do, it certainly doesn't apply when it <laughs> when it comes to her. No. Uh, because if that's what she was supposed to do, she has not done it. Yeah. And uh, you know, you know, what shocks me is that you know Biden goes to Israel, and as president of the United States, I I think that was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But. We are being invaded every day Absolutely. in this country. Absolutely. Every day we are being invaded at our southern borders. Mm-hmm. 
And we don't know, you know, this is the thing, oh, we're the land of the free and the Statue of Liberty stands for, we welcome everyone. Sure we do. We welcome them legally. And if we don't like how the system is supposed to work lawfully, then we change it lawfully. But we don't do what this administration has done and just passively and quietly or maybe not so quietly in other countries don't say anything, don't address it, and open them up wide. That's what we did. And all of our educational um, institutions, medical institutions, our communities now are going to have to address this very, um, I think, you know, this is how they plan to do it. We're not going to say we're going to open the border. We're just going to do it. Well, okay, it's happening. And uh, what, five million later or something? Since he's yeah. come in, yeah, uh, yeah, these five million are going to come into our communities, and you know what? We're going to have to make that work, and we don't know how many are really pro-America, right? I mean, you say five million, which I think is an accurate figure. That is just about the population of the state of Massachusetts, mm-hmm. five million, and uh, they continue to stream through our borders and they every will. day, and not only stream through our borders. But are bringing fentanyl in, and mm-hmm. fentanyl has has killed uh, hundreds of thousands of people mm-hmm. uh, in this country Absolutely. already. Yeah, uh, all of the trafficking that we know is happening. Yeah, yeah. Right, we see it. The, the border patrol tell us. You know, they they see what's happening, and let us not forget that what we're seeing in Israel. Uh, it's been a while since we've had to deal with anything, but we don't know who's coming. We do know that 169, I think, were apprehended on the list, on the, um, you know, the the watch list that we've got in the last few months. Yeah. Can you imagine people that have come in that we don't know, oh, that we no. didn't catch at the border, right? Far more than uh, we haven't known <laughs> than, than known, for exactly. sure. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, every state now in this country is a border state. Every state. That's yeah. correct. That's correct. So you know what? These policies have real, real life implications. And I think until people feel the hurt of what the utopia belief is, is let every, you know, we love every, of course we love everybody, but we're a national community that has to have a border. Every country has a border and America has to have a border too. It doesn't mean we're bad. It just means that we are concerned with our population that here live within our border. And we deserve that, right? American citizens deserve to know that they're safe because that's the number one thing a federal government supposed to do, right? Exactly. Um, and, you know, that we're not going to put everybody at risk to just play this utopia, you know, dialogue that everything's roses and, and kind and that's not real. I uh, read a poll that was uh, issued by the Associated Press and a couple of partners of theirs yesterday on the show read some statistics. And, uh, you know, more than 70 percent questioned in this in this poll uh, said that they are losing uh, faith in our Congress, in in the the White House, uh, in our Justice Department, in the Supreme Court. And uh, up and down the line, even in our uh, religion, people are, are sure. losing faith. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, I don't know when we've been in a bigger mess than, than we are, are right now. I agree but. with you. It's, uh, we look at it and we go, well, how did we get here? I mean, it's a mess everywhere you look at it. I don't, I don't recall in my years 
ever seeing it. Now, in the 70s, we certainly had the Iranian issue. That was a big right. big thing. Yep. But we didn't have everything all together like this. No, no. And, uh, well, this next election, folks, is a very important one. <laughs> so uh, think carefully before you get into that ballot box and... Uh, and uh, and circle and put the little circle, uh, you know, mark the little circle, <laughs> because uh, it, it's going to have a lot to do with the future of this country. Uh, whoever we uh, elect as president in 2024, uh, and uh, we, we shall see how it how it works out. But you got to get involved. You've got to uh, know the issues, and uh, you know, make that vote count. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do here in New Hampshire. Absolutely. Uh, last time around, uh, in the Democratic primary. Joe Biden was number five in New Hampshire. Mm. I think we know what we're doing here. (laughs) (laughs) That's my two cents. I think I agree. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it for uh, this edition of Kale and Company. Jane Cormier getting fired up because Artful Living is coming up next. That's right. All right. She is all set to go. And uh, we'll be uh, tuned in for that. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, Ken. And that'll do it for this edition of Kale & Company Live, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Folks, always look on the bright side of life and have a great Tuesday, everyone.